What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is the happiest football fan in America, Cody Michael. <laughs> and I'm joined, as always, by another happy football fan this week, Seth Ott. Yeah, more confused than anything, but we'll get into that. <laughs> it's been a good weekend. Uh, we are, of course, socially constipated, and this is Gridiron Grunts. We're here to recap week three of the NFL season. Lots of exciting things going on. And then we will preview week number four. We'll leave you here with some bets to make uh, and some picks in our pigskin pick'em. Uh, again, link in the description box if you want to join the pick'em. Not too late. You can always jump in at any time. If you hit that link in the description box, you will be going to sociallyconstipatedpod.com, which is where you can find all of our social media profiles, links to all of the shows that we've posted so far. You can join the mailing list, and you can click to become an anchor wanker and Wanka. support the show with a couple bucks a month. Really appreciate all of our wankers, mailing listers, uh, and everyone who goes out to the site, follows the socials. Join the crew, and you just might find yourself walking away with a special giveaway prize. Uh, gave away a couple Iron Sheik stickers last week and some <laughs> movie tickets as well. So do all the things. Interact with us however you can to be involved in that. Seth, I, I heard you perk up when I mentioned the picks oh, can yeah. pick them. Great week for you. Holy shit. What a shit. fucking week. Ooh. Oh, my God. Went from, like, middle of the pack to first in one week. So you got 10 games out of the 16. So it was a it was a great week and a couple couple bad beats are included in there as well that we'll we'll touch yeah. on in just a second. So yeah, I had, I had a shitty week in terms of like my parlays and daily fantasy and stuff, but the pick'em that worked out well for me. Fantasy had a shitty weekend. Friend of the show Beretta, Tyler Barreto, he whooped on me pretty good, but you know, as good as his fantasy advice is, his ability to pick games is uh, you know, not on par if you look at the standings there. Yeah, TB falls into last place. Uh, two games behind me. I'm not doing that much better, but it isn't tight. <laughs> You're now four games ahead of me. So, and then Kyle, Brett, and Dan are in between. So, uh, pretty competitive pick 'em so far. I do intend on climbing the ranks this next weekend. You should have to pick all mine. I mean, that's that's the right way to do it. If we sound a little bit more jovial this week than last, there's reasons for that, and we better go ahead and get into them now. Let's fire right into our week three recap. All right, Seth, let's start on Thursday night football. Our Carolina Panthers victorious <laughs> in Houston by a score of 24 to 9. Sam Darnold goes for 300 yards in this one and rushes for two touchdowns. A pretty nice yeah. game for our boy Sammy D. Christian McCaffrey is the news here. He goes down with an injury early in this game. It sounds like a few weeks on this injury. I, I didn't see, Seth, did they put him on IR, or what's the timetable for McCaffrey? Have we heard anything? No, that's the good news that they didn't put him on IR. From what my understanding is, um, and actually I think I heard it on a fantasy podcast, because obviously with, when the number one player in fantasy goes down, they freak out. The typical return, like on average, they actually they do stats and like collect this stuff, but typical return on average for a hamstring injury is like 1.8 weeks. And so he should be back within two to three weeks. But also, like, Eckler last year was out, like, six weeks from a hamstring. So it really just kind of depends. He's had a history of hamstring injuries as well. So I, I feel like they'll, especially how well they're doing, I feel like they're going to probably a little be a little more cautious depending on how this backup Chubba Hubbard does. Or Chuba Hubbard, sorry. <laughs> I like Chubba Hubba. Uh, Chubba <laughs> Hubba Max, as it were. I think that would be the right approach because I think you and I were talking a bit before we fired up today that 
this is a team that even without McCaffrey can be really competitive. Um, mm-hmm. Other weapons like DJ Moore, if you haven't heard mm-hmm. that name, you're going to continue to hear it a lot. Eight catches for 120 in this one. Had him on my fantasy bench again, so really stoked about that. Speaking of weapons, they do have Terrence Marshall, who has started to come on a little bit more. He's a bigger dude, rookie from LSU. I think that he's going to come on more and more. The one guy who's been kind of surprising who hasn't played super well is Robbie Anderson. He's had a couple long plays, but that's about it, which is like reverting back to his old ways with the Jets. Basically, he just shows up for a couple plays. So I think they might need to get him a little bit more involved with, with McCaffrey out, but there's no lack of playmakers on this offense for sure. You mentioned Chuba Hubbard, Royce Freeman also in that backfield. They got they got some dudes. And Sam Darnold can mm-hmm. run it a little bit as well. So yeah. they took care of business. Texans, Davis Mills, I think, you know, it was a nice game for, for a mm-hmm. debut. Uh, he throws a touchdown pass to Anthony Miller. Brandon Cooks, we've been talking about it for weeks. He's if you don't have awesome. him on your fantasy team, go get him. Nine catches for 112 out of the 168 yards that Davis Mills threw for. So yeah. I think oftentimes it's either, you know, it's a young quarterback or a bad one. I am afraid to pick any receivers. Or mm-hmm. it's, I better get the number one because he's just going to stuff his face. I think that's yeah. when you look at McLaurin and Washington, he's an example of this. And Cooks is that here. Other than Brandon Cooks on the on Houston, not much to talk about here. They didn't yeah. run for much. They're going to lose a lot of games. But Mills showed some stuff. So we'll see how he progresses as the season goes on. Seth, I think the takeaway here, Panthers take care of business, get an important win. Uh, we'll talk about what they're looking forward to next week. But uh, Carolina's 3-0. and It's looking like we called a good one in the preseason. <laughs> Yeah, they're looking great. I think we've made a couple of bad calls, which we'll talk about too uh, with some teams. But, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> the Panthers, though, I think they're they're one. Of, I mean, they haven't played a ton of tough competition yet. So this week, I know we'll talk about uh, a matchup coming with them that is probably their first big test. But they've looked really great so far, and I'm happy to see Sam Darnold fucking slinging it out there. And it's going to be even more on his shoulders a bit for the next uh, few weeks, at least probably. Yeah, Darnold earning some respect right now, and and it's really cool to see. So if you picked the Panthers in this one, uh, you were a winner. They covered the seven and a half point spread on the road. We are going to go now to the Bills. They were at home against the Washington football team. This is going to be the first in a series of dogs that I picked incorrectly. Uh, I had Washington plus 8.5. 8.5 was not enough for Washington in this game. The Bills get the win 43-21. to 21. This was competitive, though, for a long time. Late in the mm-hmm. second quarter and into the second half is really where they started to separate. We've been wondering about Josh Allen. I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. He goes 32 for 43 in this one. 358, four tutties. Two of those went to Emmanuel Sanders, who finally is becoming a really uh, meaningful part of this offense. It's something that I've been hoping to see because I really like him as a player. Cole Beasley, though, caught 11 passes for 98 yards yeah. uh, in this one. Quieter game for Steph Diggs, 6 for 62, but you obviously know he's a threat. They didn't run much. They don't ever. They did have about 100 yards in total. It seems like the Bills are the Bills. You know, if you were concerned yeah. that the Bills weren't going to be the same as last year, this they look like they were back in form. Washington on the other side, Taylor Heineke uh, kind of struggled in this one. 212 yards on 14 of 24 passing, two touchdowns, but two picks. I I saw at least one of them, and it was a very badly timed interception. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's tough to come back from those late in the half or right after a touchdown or what have you. Quiet game for Antonio Gibson on the ground. He only has 31 yards, but he does have a 73-yard receiving touchdown, which was a sick run. If you haven't watched that replay, it is good. Terry McLaurin, only four for 62 here too. So not a lot of offense to go around for this one for Washington. So they kind of get handled. Tell me if you agree, Seth. I think if we look back a week or two weeks, I think maybe we do need to downgrade Washington and maybe we need to put 
Buffalo back up where they were in the preseason. Yeah, Washington, they're one of the teams that is just with, that we just mentioned that we probably need to reevaluate or need to – that's one of our bad calls. I uh, really thought they'd be a great team this year. And the strength that they had, the thing that we thought would um, – they'd be even better at this year is the defense, and they've been terrible on defense, uh, one of the worst. They can't get pressure. I don't know if Chase Young has taken a step back or what, but they're not getting the sacks that they've gotten. They're not – they're giving up a shitload of yards to the air, and that's not just the Josh Allen. Like the last two weeks they've done it. So, yeah, kind of disappointing uh, for, for the football team because they had a good shot with that division this year to, to really make a run and through some injuries and bad play on defense. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to recover, especially with how well the rest of that, or I guess specifically the Cowboys are playing. With the Bills, they look great. They look fantastic. I think they're going to be kind of flying under the radar, weirdly enough, this year. I think they're going to have just a super solid record. Like I could see them winning or losing maybe three more games at most and be you know a top three seed and they're a very complete team they play good defense they get pressure uh, they have a great passing offense and they they're actually getting something out of their running game right now a bit kind of have like a two-headed attack with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and they kind of go back and forth on the guys which I think will be important come playoff time especially Mm -hmm. uh, to lean on them a little bit more and have you know instead of one guy who's worn out the whole season have two guys that are somewhat fresh I think that's probably a smart approach I think the the Bills will be a sneaky team to be one of the top you know I could see them making the AFC championship game and people are like oh shit yeah the Bills are really good huh (laughs) yeah yeah don't forget about them I think too the divisions these teams are in is really important Buffalo the entire AFC East looks bad right now Mm -hmm. and in the NFC East where we thought Washington looked like the most complete team you mentioned the Cowboys have looked pretty nice. And so mm-hmm. a little change in the expectation, but I think we're back right. to where we're used to being if we look back to last year. Buffalo's not a stranger to being ignored, so maybe that'll work in their favor, uh, less pressure. A couple of more teams who they're back to what we expected them to be. I, like an idiot, took the Bears plus seven and a half to go into <laughs> Cleveland and keep it close. They did not. 26 to six, the Browns yeah. get the home win. They handle the Bears here like the Browns should have. U-G-L-Y. Oh, God. Like, they didn't have to do much, but Baker went for 246 and a score. Chubb had 84. Kareem Hunt had another 81. He's looking like a really nice runner right now. Had a touchdown Mm -hmm. as well. I don't know if he's going to eat into Chubb's workload, but he's on a per-touch average. He's doing a lot more than Nick Chubb, so that's a great tandem to have in the backfield. Kind of a thunder and lightning look. And to speak in a lightning, Odell Beckham is back. Uh, he catches yeah, he five balls good. in this for 77. Looks healthy, looks fast, um, mm-hmm. you know, made a couple good grabs. So, you know, concern last week after them losing Landry, but Beckham is back in, and now they can take their time with Landry, and when they bring him back, they're back to being a really fucking dangerous offense with that tandem. So mm-hmm. all good news for, for the Browns, all bad news for the Bears. Justin Fields goes 6 for 20 for Ugh. 68 yards. David Montgomery runs for 34 yards, and then Justin Fields had 12 yards on the ground. That is a total, Seth, of 114 yards of total offense. Mm -hmm. This Bears team is in a bad way. Allen Robinson only caught two balls, 27 yards, but was a leading receiver. They didn't do much defensively to slow down Cleveland. Offensively, they have nothing to speak of. There were some people on ESPN on Monday morning screaming that Matt Nagy should be fired. They think Mm -hmm. that... He's either a, the worst offensive coach that has ever existed or he's intentionally trying to make Justin Fields look bad. And if you yeah. look at it and if you look at the blocking schemes that they're doing, I think they pointed out they used only five blockers, so just the offensive line, on like 13 of the 20 
dropbacks, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that is way too much. Like you have to have a tight end or a running back in there. Most teams have a tight end or running back way more often than they don't. And there's no logical reason for that. So I don't know what the fuck Mag- Nagy's deal is. I don't expect him to get to Thanksgiving, if I'm being honest. This team's going to keep losing, and it's going to look bad for him. So Browns did their thing, stayed healthy, got through this, great job. Bears, whew, it's a race to the bottom for those fucking guys. I think by the end of this weekend, they will be uh, at least tied for last place. I watched this game, and Fields, they didn't – I mean, the, the play calling was very strange. Like, Justin's Fields should have more than 12 yards rushing, mm-hmm. just normally, like in an, in every game. should uh, that's That's part of his – skill set that's why you drafted him he's he's a playmaker he can run the ball really well he creates plays he extends plays with his legs he had three attempts for 12 yards not to mention obviously the 68 yards passing he was kind of running for his life at times but then at the same time like there's some terrible throws no one was open for him it was just bad it'll be tough because once the bears are officially out of playoff contention that's when i could see Nagy gone i i don't think it'll be in the next month or so but i i could see by past thanksgiving between thanksgiving and christmas or you know descent like late december you know actually gone gone because it's been terrible the browns like you said look fantastic running the ball playing good defense kind of like what we talked about with the bills like they have two running backs that can really do it i mean kareem hunt and nick chubb are very very high draft picks hunt's a little bit better in the passing game and i think that's why he had such a good rushing game he was on the field so often in this one because i think his skill set fitted a little better chubb he'll always be like the pound guy like he had over 20 carries he's gonna probably have 20 carries in every single game unless the browns are like getting piss pounded or something but i don't anticipate that happening happening but hunt just had a few more opportunities on the ground with some draws and and some passing plays here so he looked great chubb looked great i'm not a fan of kareem hunt just because of his past but for the Browns and for uh, Kevin Stefanski, who I am a fan of. Cool to see what they're doing and, and living up to the expectations so far. So Browns are going to probably beat the Vikings this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how Stefanski does in his old team when we get to previews. We go onward. Here's a dog that paid off for me. I had the Lions plus nine and a half points at home. They cover but don't win. Uh, they lose 17 to 19 against the Baltimore Ravens, who were in visiting. The huge story out of this one, Justin Tucker hits a 66-yard NFL record kick and doinks it through all over the crossbar. Never seen that happen. I've never seen it. 66-yard game-winning field goal and a parlay-saving field goal for me. So <laughs> oh, I shit. Took late, I took a late parlay super boost on FanDuel, went big on it, so I'm glad it paid off. <laughs> Man, you were living on the edge that day. I was I was at SoFi getting ready for the Rams to kick off, and in front of me was a Lions fan in a Lions jersey watching the game on his phone, and I yeah. saw the ball doink through, and this guy was wrecked. He was so just, <laughs> not mad, but just like sad, like he was defeated. Yep. It was, oh, yep. it was... Tough to see if you're a Lions fan, and they did it in Detroit, so that must have been tough for the folks there. But Tucker, one of the greats, I it's a world record field goal is one of the things that isn't as sexy as other things in football, but is more impressive than almost anything else in football. Literally, no one's ever fucking done that, and he did. And the way he did it was so dramatic and fun. Yeah. And a game, yeah, buzzer beater, it doinks, and you're like, oh, it hit. You know, you're gonna, and Detroit fans are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it goes through and they put the arms up and Tucker's running around flex. Ed, oh, it was a great scene. If you haven't seen it, so, look up video of the end of that game. It was awesome. I think, like, the clear best kicker of all time has probably been a Terry, right? Just in terms of all the game-winning kicks and Super Bowls and all that shit. Justin Tucker, though, if you look at his stats, like in terms of accuracy and, and like, he's made 
there like it's an insane number of 50 plus like he has an insane streak without missing one but like his numbers for 50 yard field goals and just overall percentage like i think it's the argument of tom brady is the best of all time but aaron Rodgers might be the most gifted quarterback of all time in terms of like just overall like ball throwing ability like people make that comparison it might almost be that with with tucker and like vinatieri it's like vinatieri has all the the numbers and the records in terms of like wins and things like that but terms of raw numbers of like actual kicking that might go actually go to Tucker kind of like how it does with Rodgers you know totally yeah I think you're exactly right he scored probably he scored as many points as Lamar Jackson has in the last two years but he's the kicker <laughs> yeah. if you're going guys quit fucking talking about kickers there's not a lot else yeah. to talk about in this game yeah you know Lamar was fine uh he goes 287 through the air another 58 on the ground a touchdown and an interception Mark Andrews had his best game so far of the year five yep. catches for 109 the Lions were game competitors though Goff went for 217 yards DeAndre Swift who appears healthy 47 and a touchdown on the ground catches seven balls for 60 yards so fantasy if nobody in your league is looking at Detroit go grab DeAndre Swift or make a trade for him there's Mm -hmm. points to be had there Seth are you bothered by this being a close game for Baltimore I think a lot of people see them as a real contender Detroit we've been talking about all three weeks now they're here to to fight like they're gonna lose Mm -hmm. games but they're gonna be competitive so is it you went on the road and you beat a team that was tough and competitive that day or was it Baltimore's underperforming, maybe some letdown after KC. Any concern by the closeness of this game, even though they get the win? Not necessarily, like, concern. Because Baltimore was in control of this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. The Lions came back at the end. I, and that's part of the game, too, and being on the road and blah, blah, blah. I think this is one that, you know, you might look back on later on and, and think, like, ooh, why was that so close? But I don't think it's concerning for the Ravens. I think, though, that the Lions, they're a tough fucking team. They just keep, they keep proving it. And I know they got handled a bit by the by the Packers in the second half of the last game. That's the toughest environment they're going to have all year, I think. Monday night football, second half in Lambeau against against Aaron Rodgers, like mm-hmm. that's about as tough as environment you're going to get if you're the Lions cuz you know, you're you're not going to have really that many important games, but the Lions are playing teams tough right now. They're not giving up. They're fighting hard. They're they're keeping games relatively close. I think they get their first win this weekend, but we'll talk about that later. I, I do like this uh, this Detroit team. They've got some heart. You know who I like even more, though, is the Tennessee Titans. They seem to have figured it out, just like the Bills have this week. So they cover their five-and-a-half-point spread with a 25-16 to 16 win over the Indianapolis Colts in this one. So I say they figured it out. They're getting back to Titans football. Titans football is handed to Derrick Henry, if you're wondering. Yep. He gets it 28 times, 113 yards in this one. He doesn't get into the end zone. Tannehill has been better the last two weeks. He turned it over twice in this one, two picks, but he did have 197 and three touchdowns. Tennessee's offense appears to be getting closer to what they want to be. Julio Jones has stepped up. They do have A.J. Brown go down in this one. Seth, do you know anything yeah. about his injury uh, timetable? Because that's a big loss if he's going to lose, miss some time. I think it'll be a couple weeks my understanding i don't think he's on ir he's dealt with hamstring injuries and knee injuries in the past and he gets like at least a couple days off during practice every week for being a young guy like that that does worry me for his long-term health honestly like he's a guy that every single week is on the injury report every single week has multiple rest days he's a big fucking freak athlete but it's tough for him like it, hopefully he with having Julio there now some of the need to have him out there in terms of the passing offense is a little lessened and they can rest him like I almost wonder if if, if he had this injury last year if they if he would have stayed in the game and and you know not missed any time because he I think he's a guy that without Julio they need but with Julio 
and how he's been playing the last couple of weeks, I think that offense can be okay without him. So I would rest him if I was them. Even if it would only be a two-week injury normally, I would give him a week, three weeks or a month off just because they need both him and, and Julio to, to be healthy in the playoffs. And it looks like they'll control this division. We thought mm-hmm. that there would be some serious competition from Indianapolis, but they're 0-3 yeah. now. And that's the other team I was mentioning earlier of, of we were wrong about. <laughs> they have not looked good. We swung big and missed big on Indy, and there's time for them to recover and make this a successful season. We did note a couple weeks back, they're in a really hard section. Like the first five or six games are really tough. So they could have a really good second half of the year and be competitive. But right now they've got things to figure out. Carson Wentz played Mm -hmm. hurt in this one. I was amazed he he was out on the field and actually played the whole game after spraining both ankles last week. But I haven't seen footage. I don't know if they had him in a wheelchair or what the fuck, but... He was fine, 19 of 37, 194 yards. Naeem Hines gets in the end zone, but Jonathan Taylor leads in rushing with 64 yards. Michael Pittman had a really nice game, 6 for 68. Yeah, he's been solid. Yeah, he has. He's looking really complete, really talented young guy. So there's reasons for optimism. Nowhere to go but up right now if you're Indianapolis, but you got to get healthy. Quentin Nelson. Did he go down again? Quentin Nelson got hurt. Yeah, he's hurt now too. Um, Could be out for a few weeks, so... They might be out of it before the season starts. Like I, you know, like you mentioned with the the schedule, like you know, is it feasible that they could go zero and six to start the season? Like that would be that would be a rough rough start. And the Carson Wentz thing that might not be a great experiment because I don't think it's all on him. Like he's done everything he can. That offensive line has been atrocious. Their defense hasn't been good. Like the things that we thought were great about the Colts that plugging in someone like Carson Wentz, who has shown it in the past, mm-hmm. would make that team great, has failed them. So like what? What is it about this team? Like, why why are they failing so badly? And like one one seat, like if Philip Rivers was still the quarterback, they'd still be zero and three, but they wouldn't score sixteen. They'd probably score six. You know, so yeah. it's tough. Uh, and I feel bad for Carson Wentz because if it doesn't work for him here, he's going to be a backup next year. I agree with you. It's it's weird. I think you got to get to three and three or maybe two and four at worst to be mm-hmm. even mathematically in it. Because if the Titans are five and one and you're one and five. You got to make up four games now and beat them to get the tie break back. That's a big mm-hmm. gap to cover, even when you do have 12 games, if you include the extra game. So Colts need to get some stuff figured out quickly, or they're going to find themselves, as you said, out of it before the season begins. This, I've been looking forward to it, man. We go to Kansas City. We all picked Kansas City to not cover. They didn't cover, but they also didn't yeah. win. They lose 24-30 yeah. to 30 against my L.A. Chargers, who are back on the winning train after a tough loss last week against the Cowboys. We're going to get to the second half of this later. I didn't realize it, Seth, until Sunday night. Our Super Bowl matchups played each other. <laughs> and uh, let's just say my, my pick's looking better. Justin Herbert was phenomenal in this game. 26 of 38, 281, four touchdowns. And he made some really nice throws in this one, including two touchdowns to Mike Williams. Seven for 122, two touchdowns for Mike Williams. We've been saying it like he could be one of the, he if he stays healthy, he is, da-da-da. I think we can say it. Mike Williams is a top wide receiver in this league right now. Big body, good mm-hmm. hands. And he is putting up some serious numbers. Keenan Allen also catches eight for 50. Like, Mike Williams is so good, we don't even start by talking about Keenan Allen, which is typical for Keenan Allen. This is an offense that looks scary. Mike Williams, two touchdowns. Austin Eckler caught six passes for 52 yards to add Mm -hmm. to his 55 yards rushing and a touchdown. And then Keenan Allen had eight for 50 and a touchdown. So four touchdowns between Williams, Eckler, and Allen, and you got Herbert Mm -hmm. dealing it to him. That's an offense that's scary. And they finally showed it this week after a tough start offensively. 
for the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Mahomes was doing Mahomes things. He was 27 of 44, 260 yards, three touchdowns. But he did throw two picks. One of those was on a tip ball. The Chiefs also lost a couple of fumbles in this one. One by Edwards Hilaire and I think one's by Tyreek Hill. So turnovers ruined the Chiefs in this game. Mahomes keeps you in it. But I, I think this Chiefs team is one. I'm fading them in a negative direction right now. Because if everyone else doesn't do their job perfectly, Mahomes can't do his job. And... I think you can see the weaknesses of this team and Mahomes can't cover all of them up. So I have concern about the Chiefs. I, I say that they'll probably win by 50 this weekend, but this sh- yeah. this week showed that against a good team, if your role players aren't really performing, then you're going to have a tough time. What is encouraging for the Chiefs though, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets 100 yards on the ground. His first good game, that's encouraging. Travis Kelsey goes seven catches, 104 yards. What do I think of this? I think the Chargers look like a, a real threat who is a complete team. They played well on defense, got takeaways, and the offense went down and scored, especially when they needed to late in the game. So I think the Chargers look like a complete team. I think Kansas City looks like a team that has legitimate weaknesses that can be exploited. We'll see if people are able to do that. I'm, I'm really encouraged by my Super Bowl pick here. You want to change your pick? Now would be a really good time to get on the Justin Herbert bandwagon before it gets too late, Seth. If I were switching, I'd switch to the Bills, not the Chargers. But not switching yet. I think the, the first loss, that comes down to the Edwards-Alaire play. I don't think he's a great running back. I think he was a, a, a bust of a first-round pick. I think I said this last week even. He looked good in this, this game, but this is the first time he's had a rush over 10 yards this year. And most of his runs were okay, like, you know, six, seven, eight yards, good. But he's not a good running back. They should start Daryl Williams. Um, Mahomes, you know, I think I think so far this season, um, he's made a couple of not great choices. And the thing about his not great choices, though, like that pick that was tipped, it wasn't a great throw, but it still caught, like what got that picked off was the tip, you know. So mm-hmm. I think he's still the biggest difference maker in the NFL. Like if he's out there playing – with the talent he has around him, and now potentially more talent with Josh Gordon if he, you know, he gets going. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine, and they're still. I still think they'll be, at the very least, in the AFC Championship game. So their defense is terrible, but it's always terrible to start the season. Always, the season they won the Super Bowl, the defense came on towards the end. They're still missing Frank Clark, so whenever he gets back, that should uh, make a little bit of a difference as well. I'm sure they'll sign someone, <laughs> you know, later on in the season, kind of like the Bucks are looking at doing. I think the Chiefs will be fine. The Chargers, though, talk about Mike Williams. They're finally actually doing something with him. I think I think the reason he hasn't lived up to his expectations is that his, the coaching for him has been so awful. He's finally running routes, not just straight run, running down the field. <laughs> He's running slants. You can't stop him on a slant route. No. He's too big and fast. And so they're they're like, you know what? Let's just let's let's go ahead and add one additional route to his route tree. Just make him run in a diagonal pattern. Okay, let's do that. Oh, oh, that we we can't defend that. No one can defend that. Let's keep doing that over and over again. I think he's a better overall receiver in terms of like physical gifts than probably Keenan Allen is because he can do the stuff Keenan Allen can do. He's a he's actually a pretty damn good route runner, but he's also a jump ball guy. He's also a fucking four four forty guy. Like he's a first round pick. He's not. He's a top ten pick that just hasn't lived up to it yet because he hasn't been used right. Finally getting used right as a, as a premier receiver. And it's paying off for that offense. So great to see him do that. Like I remember watching his uh, game of his a national championship game of, of his in college with Clemson, and he just completely like mossed some guy while 
he had a neck injury during that game. He had a fucking broken neck in that game and still was able to do that. So I, I think now that they're finally using him and with the other talent they have around, like that offense is very scary. Him and Allen are an excellent tandem and Herbert can put it everywhere on the field. Uh, watch out for this offense, especially if they really start to get to clicking. So uh, I think good things are ahead for the Chargers after a, a misstep last week against Dallas. Speaking of missteps, I I honestly, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this game because I don't think these are competitive teams, but I don't know what the fuck we're supposed to think of the Saints, dude. I am so confused. Yeah, me too. They go to Foxborough and win 28-13 to 13 over the Patriots. Yeah, I, I bet your parlay too. I, I was a believer in it, uh, and I thought McCorkle would get it done with Belichick at home, but they only put up 13 points of offense, and I don't see a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this offense like it's not like he didn't have chances Mac threw it 51 times in this game he had one mm-hmm. touchdown got picked off three times the Saints defense is a respectable defense like they are a really good defense yeah it's not like he threw three picks to you know the Jets but there wasn't a ton of offense Kendrick sure. Bourne did have a nice game six for 96 mm-hmm. and a touchdown but not a, not a ton else to go around they're the number three run defense right now and I think they're the number seven pass defense so the defense is fucking great <laughs> yeah that's I didn't realize that they ranked that highly yeah that is nice mm-hmm. and against the Patriots if you can stop the run then that's how you win this game so Jameis was still doing Jameis things in this it's hilarious to watch him like I I'm fully off of the comeback player of the year thing it is so funny to watch him 13 of 21 128 yards which is his average now mm-hmm. but he does get two touchdowns including one on a laughable miracle fucking I think Callaway. it was Marcus Callaway Winston wasn't even looking and Callaway made the only good catch he's ever made in his career so it was yeah. like, oh, great fucking play, guys. But it was, you know, I it looked like a lucky one to me. Kamara got 89 yards on the ground, which I which is encouraging because uh, he's had not a ton of numbers this season still so not far. Great average though. Yeah, still not a huge. He ran it 24 times. Yeah, I didn't mention that. So he's yeah. under four yards a carry. I guess we got to see next week what the Saints do. But I'm probably gonna bet yeah. against them and assume the roller coaster continues. And I don't think New England is gonna be the threat we thought they might be. I, I think on the upside, right. this is a 500 team in the AFC East, which is will be dominated by Buffalo. I think I, I've seen mm-hmm. enough to to say that. Not a ton of takeaways here, other than I guess we see how these teams continue to go. But I don't see a playoff team in this game. No, I agree with you on on all of those accounts. Um, I think the Saints will end up being a 500-ish team. Something I've talked about since the beginning of the season. Like, that defense is good enough to keep them in most games. They've been able to get some uh, turnovers and takeaways this season, which only bodes well for them moving forward and into getting some wins. But Jameis Winston, say it it before, I'll say it again. He is not a good fucking quarterback. He's he's bad. And he has to do very, very little for this team to win. The two wins they have, he had 95 yards and 128 yards or whatever it was. I think it was like over 100 by the end of that first game. But he had like 95 through most of it. So basically, if he throws for under 200 yards, they'll probably win a game. But that means also they've probably had to score on defense and get a bunch of takeaways and somewhat run the ball but they're running the ball like Alvin Kamara's running between the tackles and he's having a decent amount of success but like we just talked about look at his fucking numbers like that's not Alvin Kamara numbers Alvin Kamara gets 24 carries for 160 yards because they're using him in different ways and putting him all over the field he is the only option they have on offense right now because they can't throw it so they're having to basically use him like a normal running back who's like Derrick Henry like he's getting Derrick Henry carries right now they're playing good defense and running him like a pound back he's gonna get hurt He's going to end up getting hurt, and that team is going to absolutely fucking stink once he gets hurt. Patriots stink, too. <laughs> yeah, they do. I think you got to get Tony Jones more involved. He only carried it twice, but you need a guy that's just going to go plow it between the tackles. To your point, mm-hmm. 
pitch it to Camaro. Let him get around the corner. If you're running in between the yeah. tackles 20 times, you're making a mistake. I don't know what the fuck. They yeah. got to figure some stuff out offensively. It's not even like they're trying to be that creative. It's weird to me. Mm-hmm. And New England's the same way. They're never creative offensively. They need to run the ball more. Patriots have a ton of good playmaking running backs that they can use, and they're just not using them. Ramondre Stevenson, I think he was a rookie this year, who's, who looked great in the preseason and a couple opportunities he's had during the season, but they're not using him. They got to take the pressure off Mac Jones, and they probably should have fucking kept Cam Newton at this point because I don't know how much good this is going to do for him. Now watch, they probably beat the Bucks this week, but like... <laughs> The Mac Jones start from, you know, immediate week one decision is not looking great for them. I agree with you. Could be a long season for Patriots fans, but they were due for a couple. Last thing I'll say on this one, uh, running back James White goes down with a hip injury. Looked pretty mm-hmm. nasty. I, I I don't know if there's been news on this. I hope it's not serious. I, I just really like him as a player. He's the sweet mm-hmm. one. So <laughs> best wishes on the recovery from him. Seth, any idea you heard anything quite yet on this? Because it looked a lot no. like the Fitzpatrick or the Tua injury, yep. and I hope it's not that. Yeah, it was pretty similar, and especially if the Patriots are out of it in the next, you know, like six to eight weeks. I, I, I don't know if he comes back this season, maybe. Let's make some time up with Atlanta. They went yeah. to New York and won. So if you had them plus 3.5 like I did, then you were a winner. Matt Ryan was fine. Cordero Patterson continues to be used a lot. So again, fantasy, <laughs> if you need to stretch, you know, a, a, a long shot fantasy, get Cordero Patterson in your lineup, maybe in the flex. Saquon Barkley gets in the end zone in this one, 50 yards rushing. He looked a lot better. Yeah, he did. And Kenny Galladay got, I think, his first meaningful action of the season, four catches for 64. So Daniel Jones didn't turn it over, so he was fine. But boring fucking game, 14-17. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta won it at the buzzer. I don't care about either of these teams very much. Both teams suck. Barkley did look really good coming back, though. He had a couple of long plays. They used him in the passing game. If you had him on your fantasy team, this is probably the first week you've actually felt good about drafting him in the first round. We'll see if that continues because the Falcons are a terrible, terrible, terrible defense. Good for Barkley. He's not a guy, though, I'd want on my fantasy team till next year. Just saw this. The Giants have the NFL's toughest schedule remaining for the rest of the year. They're going to flirt with 0-17, I think. I loved this result, even though I got the pick wrong. Uh, I had the Steelers minus four and a half points at home against the Bengals. Bengals said, nah, Co, you're not getting this point. We're going to beat the Steelers 24 to 10. I saw enough of this game to say this. This is not a lucky victory by Cincinnati. They looked like the better team on this day. They only needed 18 throws from Joe Burrow. He completed 14 of them, 172 yards, three scores, including two to Jamar Chase, who is officially, I think, in the NFL, he's ready to go. He looks awesome. Joe Burrow loves throwing it to his ass. I don't know if you saw the Tyler Boyd play. He absolutely ran fucking ran a guy <laughs> over in that one. This is an offense. Again, the entire thing is the offensive line. He only got hit once. Amazing against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon goes for 90 yards in this. You can win this way if you're a, a Bengal, yeah. the Bengals. You can compete. The Steelers, I don't know if this is one of those, they have three or four of these a year where they just show up and suck ass. So I don't know if this is that or if this is a bad team. They did it last week too, though. That's true. Yeah. So Roethlisberger, 38 of 58, way too much Roethlisberger, if you ask me. I I don't think you can win throwing 60 times. 300 yards, a touchdown, but he had two picks. I think the encouraging thing here is Najee Harris. He got (laughs) 14 catches. 102 yards. That's that's his receiving numbers. He also ran it 14 (laughs) times for 40 yards. That's crazy. If you got Najee Harris and you got him at a discount in your fantasy league, you got to be feeling pretty good. I'm going to call him. I think my brother's got him. I might call him and try to make a trade because he's going to get a ton of volume this year on an offense that doesn't scare me, especially because Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, went down in this game. Deontay Johnson's hurt. 
I don't think much of the Steelers, and I don't think Cincinnati is playoff bound either, but I'm really encouraged by what I saw this week. They looked they looked like they're making meaningful progress toward being competitive, yeah. and that's that's what you want if you're a Bengals fan. That offense is is really good. Joe Burrow's coming off of that nasty knee injury and has looked fantastic so far. Jamar Chase, with a year off of football, he didn't play last year. So a year that. off of football, the last time he played football, Joe Burrow was his quarterback. And so he comes in the NFL now, Joe Burrow is his quarterback, and they picked off right where they left off. He's looked awesome. Like, when you see him out there, and I've actually watched two Bengals games now. They were on the local channel here, and then they were also played the Vikings. And so I've watched a fair amount of them, and Jamar Chase looks like, when you see him out there playing, that he looks like a star out there. He's open, you know, by yards on people. He's making insane catches, running great routes. And then Joe Burrow, he's been, you know, super accurate. They have a really good running game. Joe Mixon's finally getting some, like, respect in terms of the running game because he's he's not having to deal with fucking eight-man boxes all the time now because Joe Burrow and the rest of that passing game, they're getting respected. So Joe Mixon's finally getting the chance to show that, like, he's a top back in the NFL. So I like this the Bengals' offense quite a bit. The offensive line stepped up and played a lot better this week. I still think... They didn't play against T.J. Watt, so I think that's how are they going to fare when they play the Ravens or when they play um, the Chargers. If they were to play the Chargers, like that's going to be tough to to deal with some of those difference makers on the defensive line. But they've been tough. They've been playing teams really, really well. I like the Bengals a lot, and it makes me feel good that you know they beat the Vikings and they've actually played tough against these other teams too. Steelers, Big Ben, I think he's done. He looks bad. He looks straight up bad. He looks slow. Some of the the balls he's delivering are they don't have a ton of zip on them. He just looks bad. Looks straight up bad. And now with some some of his guys going down, that offensive line is not blocking well for him. Like I think I, I think this team is gonna end up winning maybe seven, eight games and this is it for Ben. I think I think he's gonna go out with a whimper, unfortunately. Yeah, you hate to see it. I think if they had drafted a quarterback that they felt like they wanted to get some time in, I think you would see that happen. I don't think that's gonna be the case, but Roethlisberger is looking down the barrel of 14 more games. Oof, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. That's that's a tall ask, I think, for a guy who looks like he's shot. Get Dewey Haskins out there. Yeah, Haskins. Maybe maybe they think they got something in Haskins, and he gets some time. But, you know, a lot left. He'll probably have a five-touchdown game in next the next month. But that's, that's always Roethlisberger for you. Well, let's finish with this, because this is something – I don't care what stats, if you see shit like this. Tyler Boyd from the Bengals was quoted as saying, the Steelers gave up in the late in this game and that's not something you can have being said about your team so Tomlin needs Mm -hmm. to get his shit whipped up he's never had a losing season with Pittsburgh this looks a lot like it's going to be the first one I could see it this was an easy call for us we took Arizona to cover it was a seven and a half point spread they beat the pants off the Jags Arizona got a slow start to this but eventually you know everything worked out as it was supposed to so they get the win 31 to 19 Kyler Murray goes for 316 through the air Adds 19 and a score on the ground. Did throw an interception. James Conner, maybe his best game of the year. Two scores, 43 yards rushing. Here's the story for me. A.J. Green, five catches, 112 yards. Christian Kirk had seven catches for 104 yards. And then Chase Edmonds had another seven catches. In a game where DeAndre Hopkins, I think, was playing hurt and only had three catches, all of the other weapons stepped up in this offense. This, mm-hmm. this offense has depth, speed, size, and Kyler Murray. I'm more nervous going to L.A. to watch Arizona play the Rams than I was Mm -hmm. for last week's game. So we will see. Cardinals look like a serious threat. 
Jaguars, I play back what we said last week. Trevor Lawrence is still uh, room to improve a lot. James Robinson did get 88 yards and a score here. Marvin Jones, six for 62. You can still play him in fantasy. Jags are in the bargain basement. Uh, they'll be they'll be fighting with the Giants for a number one pick this year. They were actually bleeding at halftime, though, because of the, we talked about that Prater kick. They returned that for a touchdown. That was the kick. I forgot about that. They're leading at halftime, and this was the other team. So the, the basically the parlay that I had that was a boost, thanks to Pat McAfee's super boost, but it was a parlay. It was um, the Cardinals' money line, Ravens' money line, and then the third team I'll mention later. And the Cardinals were down at halftime, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And I think the Jaguars scored first in the second half. And so they were down by two scores, but then they fucking poured it on later on. I think they had a defensive touchdown, too. Didn't look great for the Cardinals early on, but they came back and won it. But like you said, they have weapons everywhere. They have a ton of depth. They'll, you know, A.J. Green will have a game where he's 5 for 113. Next week he'll have 3 for 43 or whatever. You know, like... There's going to be there's going to be different guys. The rookie they have, Rondale Moore, is going to have, you know, a game where he has fucking seven for, you know, 150 and then go down to two for 15. You know, so that's just the type of offense this team runs. Not maybe great for fantasy outside of DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, but in terms of what this team can do and beat you in multiple different ways with different types of receivers like. I think that's invaluable uh, in t- for them long-term to, to succeed. Max Williams, a, a sneaky good tight end for them. Not a ton of opportunities and yardage, but he's very solid. I saw him in the game against Minnesota. Came up with a, a ton of tough catches in that game. Either first or second round pick, so he's got some pedigree. I think, that's, I think he's going to be a, a really interesting piece for them, especially in the red zone later on in the season. This is a team, I mean, and Max Williams, if you ranked all the tight ends in the league, he would, he would be in your he's top scary. 20. And he's he's not even doing numbers yet. That's the thing. The Cardinals, like we said, like just like you put it, you're going to see games where a, a guy, AJ Green, maybe next week has two catches, but someone else is going to step up. Might be Max Williams mm-hmm. on a big week. Keep an eye out for him if he's available in your fantasy league. If you need to fill in tight end, a dart throw uh, DFS play for uh, if you're going cheap on tight end. Yeah, I love that. I also love the three and O Las Vegas Raiders, baby. They get the win, 31-28 over the visiting Miami Dolphins. They don't cover which was a bummer. So I missed on this pick. This was a more competitive game, I think, than we expected because yeah. we didn't think that the Dolphins would have this kind of offense in them with Jacoby Brissett. But he leads a comeback in the fourth quarter to push the game to overtime. They did. They kicked a field goal in overtime. They, they at points, were going to win this game, uh, end, mm-hmm. up, end up losing. They did throw 49 times with Brissett, which I don't like. I would have loved to have seen more running in this game. It's also an extra quarter. That's and true. Especially at the end. At the end, he I think he threw a ton in the in overtime because they ran it a lot through the the second and third quarters of the game. That's a good point there. Miles Gaskin led the way with 65 yards. Brissett did run for 37 and a score, so you like to see that. Mike Gesicki, another tight end uh, that is on folks' fantasy teams, 10 catches, 86, and then Jalen Waddle, the rookie, 12 catches mm-hmm. in this one, but only for 58 yards. I, they must be throwing screens to him that aren't working. Will Fuller gets his first action too, three catches. I think that they need to open it up like. What we saw with Brissett at the end of this game, they let him open it up more at the end. Like the beginning and the end of the game, they kind of let him open it up. And it almost feels like with last year with Fitzpatrick, they kind of just let him do what he wanted there. They didn't have a ton of like expectations. I feel like they're playing a little too safe right now. I think the Dolphins, if they let Brissett rip it and and go, like that offense could be really fun with Waddle and Fuller. Gasicki's getting involved and he's been a ghost this year. So I think if they were to open that up, like they could have they could have probably won this game in regulation if they would have kept the same offensive pace. Yeah, look for them to maybe speed it up a little bit. I think this is a team that with Tua wanted to keep it very Saints-esque 
maybe they'll see this uh, performance this week from Bissett and go, you know what, we can we can run a real offense. It doesn't have to be a peewee league offense. The Dolphins are, are not dead in a division that is poor, uh, in my opinion. We look at the Raiders. Derek Carr continues a very solid start to the season. 386 yards, two touchdowns, does throw one pick. Peyton Barber gets the start here instead of Josh Jacobs. All Barber does is go for 111 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Brian Edwards was the leading receiver, 89 yards. But Henry Ruggs continues also a solid start to the season, four catches for 78. Hunter Redfro gets a touchdown. Darren Waller gets five for 54. They spread it around a lot. And none of these guys by themselves scares you besides Waller. But if you can mm-hmm. spread it around like this, I, I like what they're doing on that Raiders offense. The defense, I think this is the most points that they've allowed so far. But mm-hmm. they went long stretches without giving up points. They they gave up points in the first quarter and then in the fourth quarter in overtime. There was a, a defensive touchdown, too, in that first quarter. I think I had the Raiders in my fantasy lineup, and, and they did fine. So Raiders did what we expected them to do this week. They're 3-0 and on top of the AFC West, which is currently a perfect flip from what we guessed. We'll have the fourth team in the West in just a second here. Seth, my takeaway from this, Raiders, I, I still want to see more. I still want to see a, a, a yep. truer test. But the Dolphins yep. aren't dead. I think those that's what I see for these two teams. Hmm. I, it's, it's tough with the Dolphins because like, they're still not great on defense this year. I think that offense needs to open it up. They're playing way too conservative, I think. And if they just let Brissett go with it, like you're one and two at this point. Like What the hell do you have to lose? The Bills are probably going to win that division. You have an opportunity at a wild card. You mentioned with the Raiders. I, I still don't know what to completely make out of them because they haven't had a super like tough test yet. Cars looked good, and I think we've said it last week. Like This team will go as far as Carr gets them. And if Carr keeps spreading it around, look good, not make a lot of mistakes, I think the pick he had was a tip. I still don't think they're like a super talented team. Like That defense doesn't have a ton of playmakers. They've been able to get pressure. But other than that, there's like not a ton of talent on that defense. The offense has Darren Waller, but like he would clearly be the best tight end on any team outside of the Chiefs. But all those other receivers, I think, would be the second or third best wide receiver on most teams at best. And like Renfro is their quote unquote number one right now in terms of you look at targets and everything. And he's not amazing. So like I still think that team is kind of devoid of talent. They just keep finding ways to win. I still think that at the end of the day, like we're going to hit a stretch of Raiders games where like, oh, yeah, that's the Raiders. It's just mm-hmm. when does that fall? Yeah. Because Kenyon Drake has been a waste of a fucking that, – that was the dumbest signing this season. I still will stand by it. Like, he has not done a thing. And I heard a, a, on uh, – I think on Maccabee today they were talking about – no, it was on uh, Fantasy. Drake was in to do some pass blocking. Carr got fucking smoked and hit really hard. Carr motioned to the sideline like, what the fuck? Kind of like giving, giving like a shrug like, what the hell? Drake was out the next play and didn't see the field again for the rest of the game. Uh, that guy, they, they way overpaid him. He is a terrible signing. Not that it really matters, but Peyton Barber, who was a fuck, he was an undrafted guy who's jumped around three or four teams. Like that guy ran for 111 yards, and this Kenyon Drake, who you signed for millions of dollars, it can't even block. Like, what are you guys doing? That's why I still think the Raiders are not going to end up like not just because of the Drake signing, but they're just a bad run organization. Mm-hmm. They're they're terribly managed. They're not they're not great 
coached. I, I just think Derek Carr is on a fucking insane streak like he was years ago. I'm kind of fired up about the Raiders. I don't think they're a real team. I still don't. I think they're going to end up sucking. Early stretch right now. They're going to go 5-0 and and probably then end up whatever, 8-9. and nine. I would love to fight you on the Raiders because the Raiders going back a couple of years ago when we did the podcast last time, they were a co-team. And I, I want to root for the Raiders. I can't even get too excited about them right now because you're exactly right. They find these types of ways to fuck up. The Drake, not just the signing, but that if you blow a block and, you're, and your franchise quarterback gets blown up, yeah, that's you can't do that shit. Sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I'd cut him. That is a Raider play. So we'll see if they come crashing down to earth. That year you're talking about, they were on a hot streak until Derek Carr got hurt and they sucked. So, they were exposed like, big time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the AFC West. The Raiders are tied at the top, 3-0, and along with the Denver Broncos. We've been calling them oh, our, yeah. our AFC Panthers. We love this Broncos team. The Broncos. That's right, the Broncodies. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they took care of business against the Jets. This was 26-0. to Bridgewater, 235. This wasn't a sexy game. Yeah. Uh, but Melvin Gordon goes for 61 and a score. Javante Williams adds a touchdown. Tim Patrick had a really nice game, and he's a wide receiver that they're excited about. Five catches for 98. Cortland Sutton, his quietest game of the year so far, only 37 yards. But they didn't need a lot of offense in this one because the Jets... Stink. Yeah, replay Seth's analysis of Zach Wilson from last week. 19 of 35, 160 yards, two picks. Stink. Bad running backs, bad. Corey Davis is their best wide receiver, and he was bad. So... Jets might win two games. We were looking beforehand. I want to talk more about the power rankings when we get to one more thing, but this Denver Broncos team, I think, not that the Jets earn them this respect, but I think we're early on Denver being a team that everyone is talking about a month from now. I really do think that. They did what you do if you're a good team, Seth. They just took care of the the shitty Jets. Yeah, they're just a solid team. You know, they're not going to be flashy. They're not going to have a ton of big plays. Uh, They're going to play good defense, run the ball well. Bridgewater's probably the most efficient and safe quarterback in the NFL. Not going to turn it over. Super accurate. You know, like we've talked about, he's starting to take some chances too. He didn't really need to do that in this game. Really not much analysis in this game other than the Jets fucking suck. The Broncos are playing just really solid football, and I think they can continue to do that even against good teams. The only thing I would see them being an issue is when they play teams probably like the Chargers and the Chiefs, where if those teams get a couple score lead, the Broncos might have trouble uh, catching back up. So that would be the one thing I would say about them. But they were the third team on that parlay. They secured it for me pretty easily. No stress after the noon game, so that was good. And and I got a nice little parlay out of that one. So thanks, Broncos. Appreciate your win. That's what's up. Shouts out, Teddy and the Broncos. The AFC West right now goes Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, Chiefs. Not a lot of people would have bet that. Cannot wait for those teams to continue to be playing each other. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I can't wait to see it. Let's go to L.A. I've been waiting on this all day. My Rams, 34-24 to 24 winners over the visiting Buccaneers. They covered. If you money line played them, they, they got that. Matt Stafford has been excellent. 343 yards, four touchdowns in this one, and he got he got four touchdowns four different ways, and it's everything you want to see your quarterback do if, if you have an elite quarterback. Daryl Williams was out in this game, so Shoney Michelle had 20 carries, 67 yards. Deshaun Jackson gets his first touchdown as a Ram, and it was an awesome 75-yarder. But Cooper Cup is... I think even statistically, in a literal sense, the number one wide receiver in football, nine catches for 96 in this one, two touchdowns. I can see it from the fifth level of SoFi Stadium. He is destroying guys on routes. He is, you could hit him with a pass, Seth. He is so <laughs> open. It is insane. On the Bucks side of things, I think a more competitive game than the score makes it look. 
But the Bucks did get handled in this. Like, I don't think you can mince, mince words about this. They go to Brady 55 times. He completes 41 of those, 432 yards, one touchdown. And then he snuck in a touchdown as well. Chris Godwin scored on an end around. Mike Evans led receivers eight catches, 106 yards. This game was, if you look just at the team stats on this, it was very even. If you look at the plays, the yards per, you know, the total yards, a lot of this game was a matter of the Rams scored when the Bucks were punting. I was really encouraged by watching the Rams in this one. I don't have the benefit of hearing the commentating when I watch this, but the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking this is just clean, solid, very excellent football. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, and I know I'm being a homer. I don't see a weakness on this team. If you have to mm-hmm. find one, maybe it's the run game, but yeah. it's probably not bottom half. And everywhere else, they're excellent. Jalen Ramsey was all over the field. I love, well, I could just watch Jalen Ramsey. He is so fun to watch. Do yourself a favor if you watch this Rams team and just watch Ramsey for a while. Seth, the Rams are the best team in football, period. What say you? It, it's hard to say period because it, it's still really early on in the season. I think it's hard to say definitively, but they're definitely, I mean, if, you're, if I'm doing a power rankings, I'm putting them number one right now. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I think the only weakness is probably the running game. And if they had Cam Akers, like we talked about last week, they would be able to control the clock more, but they're just probably scoring too fast more than anything else. You know, they probably wouldn't give up 24 points on defense, mm-hmm. but because they're scoring so fast and the offense looks good and efficient and, and able to score so fast, like they're going to give up more points. They're not going to be the number one defense in the league this year because the offense is scoring so much so you know like that's that's probably a good thing for them so the Rams are playing the type of football McVay wants I think like he I I think there's no limitations Mm -hmm. on that offense other than probably the running back position and even then like the only reason he he ran the ball in the past was because he had Todd Gurley at the time who was the best running back in football then so this is going to be the toughest team to beat in the NFL by far uh, at least right now uh, with, with the Rams especially at home in LA. There's a real home field. You've, you've heard it said LA has never had a home field advantage. Now they do. It's a real one. Mm-hmm. There was a, at least one delay of game and a couple of false starts and the crowd goes nuts for that shit that the Bucks yeah. had. So I, I wanted to start um, with the Rams that they are so strong because I don't think we need to overreact about Tampa. Um, no, do you agree? Still... Like this is still one of the best two teams in the NFC. Yeah. I think they're, they showed some real weakness defensively, but they've been doing that all season. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't. You don't need to knock them down too many pegs. You think so? No. And again, I'm not changing my Super Bowl pick yet because it's fucking Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how good the Rams are. Tom Brady in the playoffs adds fucking a touchdown to the final score. Like he's there's no quarterback you would rather have in the playoffs because I think that might be something. I, and we're already getting ahead, but like Matt Stafford's never won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Is that you know? And and again, this is the best team he's ever had. But we'll see when it gets to that point in the season. Like, will that be a factor? We've seen that happen before with with teams that have had amazing quarterbacks get to the playoffs and not win. So, like, how much of it will that come into play? We don't know. But for now, like, I'm still picking Tom Brady. You'd be dumb not to pick to pick Tom Brady in the playoffs. You know. So if this matchup happens again, I'm probably still picking the Bucks. But for right now, it's like, yeah, the, the Rams are they're looking like the best team in football right now. I love it. I love it. 
I think you raise a good point. It is still Brady. Yeah, so if the Bucks come back, then... Uh, he just it's As big of a Rams fan as you are, if they played in the playoffs, you would still be shitting your pants because Tom Brady is the quarterback. <laughs> I would I would rather them play any other team in the league. Like if the if the Bucks if this happened if the Bucks somehow went two and fifteen this year and still for some reason played the Rams after that, I don't care. It's Brady. Like he makes mm-hmm. me that he's beaten my Rams in two Super Bowls. Like you're not gonna catch me sleeping on Brady, but this was a really good competitive game between two of the NFC's best. I would also be nervous too, like if the Rams and uh, Bucks do end up meeting up. I would be even more worried though because the Bucks already lost a game, and beating Tom, not only is beating Tom Brady in the playoffs impossible, but beating Tom Brady in the playoffs and twice in a season is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so that if they were to come, if the Rams were to come out and do that, th- they would win the Super Bowl easily. I think. Yeah, that would be uh, oof. I need you to get all the way on the Rams side of this if you want to go with me to that playoff game. But for now, <laughs> your analysis is valid. I, I will grant you that. <laughs> well, if somehow the Vikings got to the playoffs against the Rams, so that would be the one I'm choosing. Holy shit. And you know what? It could happen. We got to go to Minnesota right now. They're winners 30-17 to 17 over the Seattle Seahawks. Love watching Seattle lose. Love seeing Minnesota get their first win. It's not just that they won this game because they, they, you know, they were in last week's game all the way to the to the buzzer. So, you know, they've been competing, but they beat a Seattle team that uh, I've seen in the power rankings in the top 10 at different points. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's Russell Wilson. You know, it's everything about Seattle and the Vikings come out. Kirk Cousins, as much as I can't stand that fucking guy, he's he's played well. He's been great. (laughs) 30 of 38, 323, three scores, no picks. Justin Jefferson, the biggest beneficiary of that, 9 for 118 and a touchdown. Tyler Conklin, uh, 7 for 70 and a score as well. Alexander Madison doing his best Dalvin Cook impression this week. Um, 26 rushes, 112 yards, and then six catches for 59 more. The Minnesota offense looked strong. It, It had diversity big plays. It had a strong running game to to run the clock out in the second half. The defense doesn't allow Seattle to score in the second half. Russ was not cooking today. He he had 298 and a touchdown, and Chris Carson ran for 80 and another score. Metcalf led the receivers six for 107 and a touchdown, but this offense came to a screeching halt at halftime. So I think uh, I'll be a homer for you on your behalf, Seth. I think this is a Minnesota team that, are they one of the best five teams in the league? I don't think so, but they are even, like they're complete. Hey. They're, they don't have huge gaps like some of these other teams do. And so this is a team that will continue to be competitive, and I, I like them to compete in that NFC North if they continue to show what they've shown these last two weeks especially, that they can hang with you know the Cardinals and this week the Seahawks and win a convincing they, game against Seattle. I liked what I saw here. I think they're easily a top 10 offense. I mean, they, they were they were shot for shot with the Cardinals, who I think they're a top five offense for sure. 30 this week against uh, against the Seahawks. Uh, I think they're a top 10 offense easily, especially when Dalvin Cook is out there. The defense that encouraged me is they only gave up 17 to the Seahawks. I think the defense had a shaky start, but they still had positive moments, and I think it all came together this week. At home, first game in front of the, the Minnesota faithful, which was good to see people back in the U.S. Bank Stadium doing the skull chant. It's been a while since we've seen the skull chant, so that was cool. That's one of the toughest places to play when there's a full stadium there. Not a lot of teams on offense can uh, hear much <laughs> when, when the Vikings are out there. So it, it was good to see fans back there and the defense playing well. They're getting pressure on defense, and that's something that they were missing badly last year. Losing uh, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter all season, they weren't able to get to the quarterback. Got both those guys back. 
Everson Griffin coming off of a, a car accident, <laughs> missing a deer, uh, oh, had a shit. concussion. So he missed week two, came back in week three, and he's looked like his old self again, getting after the quarterback. And he's only playing part-time right now with the second-year player, DJ Wanham, who uh, was Rookie of the Year candidate last year. So that they, uh, the opposite end of Daniil Hunter is they're kind of rotating and they're moving Daniil Hunter all over the place. And he's looked uh, refreshed and ready to go. And like I said, the offense, like Kirk Cousins, thrown eight touchdowns, zero picks this year. He hasn't turned the ball over at all. He's been he is completing over seventy percent of his passes, over one hundred passer rating so far this year. Jefferson finally got going. Thielen has been strong and still getting fucking insane amount of red zone looks. If they're down in the red zone, it's almost guaranteed Thielen's going to score a touchdown at this point. That offense looks great. The defense is coming on strong. I don't know though. Like I'm still so confused by them because <laughs> the offensive line one week will look shitty, and then the next week Cousins won't even like he has all day. He had all day in this game to throw. And even when he is under pressure, like he's been, that's, I think the difference with him is like when he's been under pressure this year, he's still delivered strikes. And in the past, when he has been under pressure, he looks like a fucking rookie out there. So maybe he's, he's saying like, you know, not taking the vaccine has made him a better player over everyone else. Cause they have the vaccine. I don't know. Maybe that's, <laughs> his, maybe that's his secret. I don't know. Whatever it is, Kirk, keep doing what you're doing. I wish you'd get the vaccine, but keep playing like this. Cause it's, it's been fantastic so far. We were questioning Kirk Cousins' leadership ability in the offseason because of the drama. Pretty good way to, you know, yeah. have people follow you is to play lights out football. So winning is the uh, the cure-all, uh, it seems, and, and Kirk Cousins has taken it. So great win for Minnesota. Uh, and you're right, U.S. Bank Stadium, I, I cannot wait for December when the Rams come to town. That's going to be a really fun day. Bring your earplugs. Yeah, yeah, no shit. The Vikings are looking up in the NFC North at the Green Bay Packers. This is another team that looks like they, after a shitty week one, kind of are, are finding their way again. They went 30-28 to 28 against the 49ers. This was in San Francisco on Sunday night football. Really, really nice game. I caught bits and pieces because I was traveling. Rodgers goes for 261, two scores. Aaron Jones is playing so well. 82 mm-hmm. yards and a score in this one. Also caught a couple balls. Devontae Adams remembered that people think he's the best receiver in football this week. Caught 12 catches, 132 yards, he's a touchdown. Nuts. And he did it every different way. You could you could do a wide receiver training video and just show the highlights from this he's, game. There's not a thing. He is the best receiver in football. And I know you love Cooper Cup. Devonta Adams is the best receiver in football. It's it's not close. Yeah, it's the verticality and the size of Adams that I think he sets him apart everything. from a guy like Cup. It's everything super absolutely well. Absolutely everything. Yep. He can run the deep route. He's the best route runner in football. Like, not even close. He was fucking triple covered and caught a ball this week. Like, he does absolutely everything better than everyone else. And it's probably the reason Rodgers looks as good as he does. Not saying Aaron Rodgers is a bad quarterback. Devonta Adams just... Like, look at, look at the numbers. 12 for 132. No other receiver had more than three catches because you don't need to. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he catches over half of the fucking completions that Rodgers has. Like, it's insane. And you know they're going to do it. That's the thing that's even yeah, crazier. You cannot stop him. There's yeah. no way you can. There's only, like, maybe two cornerbacks that can even slow Devonta Adams down. And Ramsey is one of them. Yeah, I can't wait. They got a game uh, Thanksgiving weekend uh, at Lambeau. That's going to be awesome if these teams continue mm-hmm. to trend the way they are. The Packers did Packers things. They, again, like the Bills, we said, they, okay, here's the Packers. I did not expect this game to be so close, honestly. Uh, I thought the Packers would win going away. San Francisco was very competitive in this. They actually mm-hmm. took the lead with a touchdown with like 40 seconds left. 
and Rodgers went down and, and got him in position for the game winner. But San Francisco had real chances to win this game, and Jimmy Garoppolo threw it 40 times. 25 of 40, 257, two touchdowns. He does throw a pick here. Trey Sermon gets a rushing touchdown, but only 30 yards. Kittle finally showed up for a game. He Seven catches, up, yeah. 92 yards. Debo, 5 for 50. Ayuk gets in there. Use check they used in the passing game more than I've ever seen. Maybe this Niners team is waking up. I was surprised to see them be yeah. this competitive. I'm not ready to move them up my opinion of them. I still think that they have weaknesses that'll be exploited by really good teams. But I was... Yeah impressed by it like they did gain points with me for taking the Packers all the way to the wire I this was a really nice Sunday night matchup I think both these teams moved up for me even more uh the Packers super impressive I don't think Rodgers has ever beaten the Niners in San Francisco San Francisco played one of the best NFC teams really really tough they and I think that's kind of what you have to do with the Packers is like you're gonna you're gonna have to let Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers do their thing there's no stopping them but if you can limit everyone else, like, yeah, Aaron Jones had a good game, but it wasn't fucking world-beating. Like, he's he had a game the week before where he ran for over, like, 130 yards and caught a bunch of balls, too. Like, they did that, plus Devontae Adams, plus, Mar- you know, MVS. Like, the week before was when you see, like, the dominating Packers. They kept the Packers pretty close in this one throughout almost all of it and then took the lead the Niners did they had the right game plan against the Packers I think here it's just that you know when you give the Packers when you give Aaron Rodgers 30 seconds chances are he's gonna end up winning the game so the Niners have a good defense they bleed in their defense to stop him and they just couldn't in this case and maybe January if they play in the playoffs it could go the other way two really good teams I think the Niners while I still think they're the third best in that division I still think they're a really good shot at a wild card spot too so Points up for the Niners for me, um, and a few points up for the Packers, and I already thought they're one of the best teams in the league. Nice to see these teams kind of coming into shape, and the Niners, again, have dealt with a ton of injuries, so their competitive is impressive. Keep Kittle going, though. Like, that's the only thing is keep Kittle going because their running back situation is pretty dire. Sermon, who's the rookie, looked okay, but they still have some talent they're missing there uh, in the running game, so keep it going with Kittle and some of the short passing with, like, Debo Samuel and Ayuk, and I think that team will be good on offense because I liked what I saw on that out of that offense in this game reason for optimism in San Francisco let's go to Monday night football the Mannings watched the Dallas Cowboys win at home first game back for Dak Prescott since the injury last season awesome scene I love Dak I do honestly like there's not yeah he got a bit emotional in that one yeah you can't not like Dak he's so easy to root for they took the juice and they applied it to the game they went 41 to 21 over the visiting Eagles. I thought the Eagles would keep this close, Seth. I was so wrong. And I am cool with that because I feel like I learned everything I need to know about the NFC East in this game. And that is that the Cowboys will win this division, I think, by a a few games. I think they'll clinch it early. And Mm -hmm. the reason for that is you obviously have Dak. He's 21 of 26 here, 238, three touchdowns. Remember Ezekiel Elliott, yeah. 95 yards, two touchdowns here. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, led in receiving uh, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper was playing hurt, and he only had three catches. CeeDee Lamb only had three catches. So, again, we said this earlier about, I think, Arizona. When your studs are underperforming, if you have other players that can step up, that's what you see here uh, with Zeke and Schultz mm-hmm. stepping up and getting in the end zone. Offensively, Dallas looked really nice. Defensively, they looked very nice. I think they're way overperforming expectations. They picked off Jalen Hurts twice, and they sacked him three, four times, and Hurts isn't an easy guy to get a hold of. So mm-hmm. the Dallas defense is swarming, and I loved that. That's I've never seen a good Dallas defense. 
Um, <laughs> for the Eagles part, Hertz did throw for 326 yards, two scores. I mentioned the two picks. He ran for 35 yards. Dallas Goddard, two catches, 66. Nice to see Zach Ertz back in the stats, uh, four for 53 and a score. He's a guy I think they'll try to get more involved as the season continues. So uh, I think Philly did what what they're capable of in this one. I, I wanted to get excited about this Philly team. They showed us what they are this time. They're not a team that's going to compete, I think, for this division. Dallas, mm-hmm. with, with Washington trending downward, Dallas showing, yeah, we do have defense and we have a tough place to come and play. I love Dallas at this point in the season. They're going to have some tough teams. I don't know that they win 15 games, but if they win 11, I think they'll clinch the division early. So I like Dallas uh, in the East going forward. I don't think they're a deep playoff threat or a Super Bowl threat or anything like that, but this division, I I would bet on it now. Yeah, I think Dallas could end up being a team that that competes in the playoffs, though. I think that offense could. They're kind of like the Chiefs in that that offense keeps them in any game, and I think if you're in a shootout with Dallas – you're probably not in a fun position mm-hmm. because I think that team has so many weapons. If they carry this defensive play, uh, specifically with like Trayvon Diggs uh, and Jalen Smith playing really well in this one, then they get back Demarcus Lawrence at some point in the season. That that defense actually is pretty interesting. I won't say they're scary or good necessarily, but they keep getting these takeaways and defensive scores and getting some sacks like they have been getting. That defense could actually end up making this this Dallas team someone who makes the playoffs because of the division they could be it end up being a team that maybe gets out of the wild card round or wins a divisional matchup you know like they they could actually be a somewhat tough team to beat especially if you're putting up 41 points and they're doing that last year they're putting up 41 50 points a game but losing in those efforts because their defense was so bad now they're not now that defense is actually able to get some stops and turnovers so Really like what I'm seeing out of them. Uh, Pollard, along with Elliott, has been very effective. They've they've done a good job of keeping Elliott fresh, um, which has kept him very efficient. And he's also been the pass catcher and run blocker. So getting Pollard in there to to have a little bit more of the dynamic plays and kind of go on the outside. They've been doing a lot of pitches and, and tosses to him and using him a bit more in the passing game, even though he didn't really have a catch in this one. They're really creative on offense. So... Dallas could end up being a sneaky good team, I think. You mentioned Trevon Diggs. He's got an interception in each of the Cowboys' three games so far this year, and he housed one this week. So good young talent on the Cowboys' defense. Not something you expect to see, but it is nice. So that is our recap of Week 3. Things are getting very exciting, very interesting. We feel like we're getting into midseason form and just having a blast doing it. So that is our week three recap. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? Seth, you alluded to it before. Uh, you hit on at least one bet. I had a tough week, but uh, let, let's talk about the money. Show me the money! I know the Patriots were a linchpin for us. That did not work out, uh, but you made money another way. Yeah, so I had a couple, just a couple, like none of my parlays hit. I think I had maybe one parlay that was like one leg short. Um, in terms of like the same game parlays, a decent DFS lineup that had uh, Herbert and Keenan Allen in it, but it just fell off the afternoon games. I only had like one guy in my afternoon lineup. I think one of them was Robert Woods, and uh, he has not showed up at all this season because the rest of that team has. So 
Might have to fade him for a while. So my DFS lineup didn't end up paying off, but I was winning 40 bucks through most of the day on that one. But what, what did hit for me was a, a super boost parlay on FanDuel, uh, thanks to Pat McAfee, Cardinals, Ravens, Broncos. Uh, it was plus 110. It was all money line for those, which was nice. Uh, I think it was like minus 160 normally. It boosted to 110. I did the max $50 wager on that one, 105 bucks. So that was good. They also did a super boost on the Monday night game. It was Aaron Rodgers to score one plus tat passing touchdowns in each half which is what you wanted yeah. a couple weeks ago they did that as a super boost uh, at plus 210 just did five bucks on that one and 115 so had a pretty good week one uh, 120 bucks so that was cool other than that not a great week in terms of the stuff i personally chose but uh looking to get back on track this week so not too bad of a week in terms of the money making Love getting that cheddar. And Seth, the great prognosticator, though. <laughs> you lead the way in Pick'em. I'm closer down to the bottom. And uh, in between us, Kyle, Brett, and Dan, Barreto brings up the rear. So, again, uh, you can still get in on our Pick'em. Hit the link in the description box. You can join the group and play with us from this point forward and see if you can beat Seth, who I believe set a record uh, this last week with uh, with the best picks. <laughs> so that's the picks. That is the cash. Show me the money! And let's get you set up for week four and highlight some of the bets and do our pigskin pick 'em. It's coming right for us. All right, Co. Let's get some let's get some winning picks this week. Here's an easy one to start, Seth. Thursday night <laughs> football. We are in Cincinnati, Ohio, to watch the two and one Bengals play the zero and three Jags. The line here is minus seven and a half points. Give me Joe Burrow for five hundred yards and the Bengals to cover in this one. I kind of went back and forth on this just a little bit because. Even though the Jaguars have lost somewhat big in their games, I feel like they've still played tough up until the last quarter. But yeah, I think that the Bengals are, Bengals are riding on a, on a little bit of a hot streak right now, so I'm going to go with them on this one as well. If this goes the way we expect it to, even if they don't cover, talking about the 3-1 and one Bengals next week will be very fun. Yeah. I, I, am, yeah. I really hope that that happens so we can do that. Next game here on Sunday in the noon slate, the Falcons play host coming off their first win to Washington who is visiting. This is an interesting line here. One and a half points is the spread. Washington, the favorite. So if you like home yeah. dogs, you take Atlanta plus one and a half. I don't like home dogs that much. I learned yeah. my lesson on Atlanta. I'm taking Washington to bounce back, get the win in Atlanta, and cover the one and a half points. I agree with you on this pick. Washington, I think they need they need this win, and they need to win it convincingly. So I'm going with Washington on this one. Watch out, Buffalo fans. I notoriously cannot get the Bills right, and I'm picking them to cover a 16.5-point spread. <laughs> this is the biggest spread I think we've seen so far this season. Yeah. I respect that Houston is, is is trying to compete, and I'm interested in this rookie. They don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with a confident Josh Allen at home in Buffalo. This is going <sighs> to be ugly, fast. It's hard to eat 16.5 points. I'm doing it, so give me the Bills. They'll probably get crushed because I picked them, though. That's a lot of points for me. Obviously, I think the Bills win. I'm, I'm going to go with a backdoor cover here on the Texans. I think that they, they get smoked for a lot of this, but try and make, some, make up for it late uh, when the Bills have some backups in. Uh, and I think that they end up losing by maybe not 17, but 14, somewhere yeah. in that range, 14, 15. I, hey, I get it. Uh, but every time I've won, I bet against the Bills, they win by 50. So I thought I'd jump on the bandwagon this week, but I do like the pick. I think there's some money to be made there. Hey, pay close attention, folks. These next couple of picks, I, I, I'm guessing, I, are, are picks we're going to like quite a bit. Next one, Chicago. This is in Chicago. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Detroit Lions. 
which utterly confuses me. I'm taking the Lions plus two and a half. Give me Jared Goff to get his first win, even though he's going to be running for his life against that Bears front seven. I don't think the Bears can score 10 points in this, and Detroit, they'll limp to 13. So I I like the Lions to win, especially because I'm getting two and a half. And this is the first leg of the week four Moneyline Madness parlay, plus 124 uh, on the road. The Lions are going to win this one, uh, and they're they're getting their first win of the season, plus 124. Uh, the first leg of that parlay. Love it. So I'm one for one. I guess, I guessed you would love that one. This is this is my next one I think you'll love as well. In Dallas, the Cowboys are four and a half point favorites over the visiting Carolina Panthers. We love the Panthers. I love the Panthers plus four and a half even more. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dallas wins this game. I don't see him winning by a large margin. I know they're good offensively. Carolina's defense will keep them in this, and I like the Carolina offense to put some points up. So Sam Darnold plus four and a half, but I will take the Panthers to win this game outright. Yep, me too. They're the second leg of the Moneyline Manus three-team parlay plus 190, which I think is kind of crazy. If you're just doing a straight-up bet on this one, I would take that at plus 190. Carolina Panthers, this is the best defense that the uh, Cowboys have played so far. Well, I guess they played the Chargers, but Panthers, I think they win this game outright. They're the second leg of that parlay for me. Yeah, love that, man. And again, if we if we can come back talk about some 4-0 Panthers next week, it's going to be a fun show. So keep an eye on that game. And we go to Miami. This is a coin flip for me. The Dolphins are minus 1.5 against the Colts, who are coming into town. I'm going to ride on the Miami performance from this most recent week and take them to cover. Seems like at this point it might be a stretch to think that Indy is going to be 0-4, but... I wasn't impressed with them offensively last week. Miami's shown that they are still playing defense. So I'm going to take Miami to cover. I'm not super confident about this pick, I will admit. Yeah, I think the Colts need this game. Like, this is a game where I'm going to use the same logic for my third pick of the parlay later, that they need this win. I also think there's a little bit of a revenge narrative here with Jacoby Brissett, former Colt, who they let him go this past offseason. I think that the Dolphins cover at home and it just seems to me like they're putting up more of a fight in their games the Colts seem to kind of just be other than Carson Wentz not really putting up a ton of fight in their games I know they played the the Rams tough but I don't think that game was nearly as close as the score showed in the end I think the Dolphins win this one and I think Jacoby Brissett has a big game and maybe makes a case for himself to be the starter long term potentially in in Miami I would love to see that man Uh, so we got Miami at home to cover Let's go to Minnesota. You go ahead and talk about this one. Uh, You already know who I'm picking here and here. Uh, I again will be the homer for you, Seth. The Vikings are at home. They are home dogs. Home pups, baby. (laughs) Plus (laughs) plus two and a half against the Cleveland Browns who are coming to town. And I know you're not going to make this pick. Seth is on the Browns because he always picks against the Vikings. Browns. I'm taking those two and a half points and your Vikes in this one, Seth. And what I will say too is the money line on this for the Vikings is plus 112. I will take a really good look at the Vikings in this game to win outright. Uh, Seth's not going to touch it for his reasons, but watch out for Minnesota to make a statement win and get into the conversation with a home win against the Browns, who are playing well, but it's tough to go into U.S. Bank Stadium, and the Vikings are going to make it close. They just have to get after Baker. They They have to get pressure on Baker. Now, we go to New Orleans. I can't believe that they're minus seven and a half until I look across the line and see that they're playing the Giants. Uh, If you're asking me, are are we going to see the Week 1 Saints or the Week 2 Saints, I guess I'm banking on the fact that they're going to string together two good performances in a row. So give me the Saints Mm -hmm. to cover because the Giants are so fucking inept, and the defense for the Saints will prevent the Giants from getting to, like, 
14 points, I think. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at, too. I think the Giants have a sneaky good pass defense, but the one thing that the Saints can't do is pass, so they're going to run, run, run. I think they probably win by two scores here, so I'm going to go with the Saints to cover that. Love it. On to the New York Jets. Home pups again. <laughs> Titans. Move on. Plus seven and a half, not enough points. I am with you, Seth. Take all the super boost parlays you can get with Derrick Henry getting like 200 yards plus. It's going to be a thousand to one odds, but that is going to hit. Derrick Henry is going to be huge in this one, and the Jets are going to look really terrible again. Here's an interesting one. Philly is at home, home pups again, (laughs) against the Chiefs. So the Chiefs coming in off of two straight losses, can they beat a seven and a half point spread against the Eagles? I say no. We're in agreement. So uh, Philly's offense will score on the Chiefs and give me the Chiefs to win, but I don't think they cover. So I'm taking the Eagles plus seven and a half at home. Chiefs win probably by four or five, but death taxes and Chiefs not cover. Those (laughs) three things certain in life. This one's going to hurt, but I got to be smart. We go to LA. I will be in attendance for the Rams at home against Arizona. I think this has potential to be the best game we've seen so far this season. Someone was drunk, I think, when they made this lineup. I'm the biggest Rams homer you're going to find. They're giving up five and a half points against the Cardinals. Crazy. crazy. The the Rams, I think, will win this game, but this is going to go down to the end. So I'm going to end up picking Arizona plus five and a half. That's way too many points, I think. Yeah, I think think the Rams won by a field goal here, but uh, yeah, not quite enough to cover. I just... As good as the Rams' defense is, they've still given up a lot of points in yards this season to quarterbacks who are not as good as Kyler Murray. So this will be a close game. It'll be a fun game. Cardinals cover this one. Yeah, can't wait to see that one. We go to another NFC West matchup. The San Francisco 49ers are at home and minus two and a half points against Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to pick the Niners to cover, and here's why. They're the Vikings. They've got a pretty capable quarterback, less so than Cousins when it comes to Aaron and out, but they want to run the ball. They want to play good defense. And those are the weaknesses of Seattle. So I'm going to take the Niners by a field goal and I'm going to love seeing Seattle be at one and three next week. Here's the thing. I think the Niners are a better team. This is a must win for the Seahawks. If they lose this game, they are putting themselves in a terrible spot for the rest of the season. You got Russell Wilson late game coming off of a bad loss in Minnesota. I think the Seahawks win this one. So I'm going with the plus two and a half, and they make up my third leg of the the money line madness three team underdog road team parlay this week. I already put the bet in plus fourteen oh seven odds. Panthers, Lions, Seahawks, all road dogs here. <laughs> I, think, I think this hits. Going with the Seahawks here, I think they win. I think they have to. This is a must win for them. And that's the only reason I'm picking this. The Niners are a better team, but I think this is a narrative win for me. I got to say, Seth, that is a really compelling argument. I am going to play the Money my, money Line Madness with you this week, even though we're going to work on the title. It gets longer every time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Plus 1407. I, I like this. And if I keep my pigskin pick them on the Niners and bet the Seattle, then I can't lose. So I love the parlay this week. I would encourage folks out there. I, I will be putting money on this myself. 10 bucks will win you 140. That's a pretty fun bet this week. Uh, I, I like the picks. I like this next pick too. I the Denver is at home. They're giving up a point and a half and the Ravens are coming to town. This, for me, is a statement win for Denver. I'm going to take them to win and cover. Maybe it's a field goal, but that covers the one and a half. I think next week we're talking about Denver and everybody else joins us in this conversation. I like a statement win at home for the Broncos. Totally agree. Just Denver's playing. I think they're playing more Ravens football 
than the Ravens are playing right now. Uh, good defense, running the football, efficient passing game. I think the Broncos win this one and cover that one and a half. Teddy making a name for himself. Maybe Teddy's the comeback player of the year. We haven't talked about that he yet. Could, he could be. Wow. Teddy two gloves. Man. Teddy and Dak. I love rooting for those guys. Green Bay is at home at Lambeau. They're minus six and a half against the visiting Steelers. It's not enough points. Packers are going to cover in this one. Steelers couldn't yeah. get pressure on the Bengals last week. Yeah, give me the Packers. And I would pick this yeah. if it was minus nine and a half. I think this is a beatdown. I agree with you on that one. Um, we'll see if TJ Watt is back. But if not, definitely, uh, for sure. Packers, you know, I'm picking them anyway. But they can win by a score. They probably win by 10 or more here. Yeah. Foxborough will be the homecoming game for Tom Brady. Sunday night football. The Bucks. Give me 20 on this one. I was going to say, I'm betting big on the Bucks to cover. This is a six and a half point spread. Not enough points. They're a far better team than the Patriots, and they're coming off a loss. This is a get-right game. They'll, they'll cover the spread. I, I like Tom going into Foxborough, getting a big win. If you can put a parlay down, I might look into this for my same game parlay. When I'm doing my same game parlay, for sure, I'm putting a Gronk score. Gronk will get in the end zone and score a touchdown here, especially after not scoring last week and getting hurt. I would probably put Brady for three-plus here. I think he's going to air it out hardcore. Any other revenge narrative people there? I don't think there's any other former New England people. Antonio Somebody, Brown, maybe. You know what? <laughs> yeah, maybe. He might uh, still be on the COVID list this week, though. Yeah, but I think I think he's vaccinated, so he might be back. Yeah, he's definitely vaccinated because he had a chance to play this week. So I'm sure he'll be back this week as long as it wasn't you know a long-term COVID situation. Three-leg parlay. Brady for three-plus touchdowns. Gronk score. Brown score. I think that's a good parlay right there. I think that's good money. I, I will bet that myself. That's Sunday night football. Let's go to Monday night football. This, I think, one of my favorite Poop game. primetime matchups that we've had so far. The Chargers are at home at SoFi Stadium, taking on the visiting Raiders. Chargers are three and a half point favorites here, which is such a good line, I think. If it was two and a half, I'm taking the Chargers all day. If it was four and a half, I'd be taking the Raiders all day. I'm going to end up riding with my guys. Uh, I'm going to take Herbert and the Chargers to cover here. And I'm not saying the Raiders are going to get exposed, but they're going to show that Derek Carr is not the MVP and that this Raiders team is not going to win the AFC. I think LA does just enough. Maybe they win by four, but I think it's maybe a touchdown that they end up winning by at home at SoFi. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. Uh, I just think the Chargers are a better team. I think the I think the Raiders put up a fight here, but I, I think ultimately the car the Chargers the Chargers <laughs> win by a touchdown. So the reason I say a poop game, no Manning cast, no Manning cast. Ah, oh, this uh, would have been a good one for Manning. The great quarterback for play for them. They're done for the next three weeks. This week and then the next two, they're off. So they were only signed on for 10 games this season. So uh, obviously you have to take a little break in there. So no Manning cast uh, coming up for a little bit. That is a bummer. Manning cast has been super fun. So those are our picks. I'm going to insert a quick tag on your your Moneyline Madness. I love the three legs. Uh, I think that that is is, uh, likely money. If you want to get frisky, you want to add a couple more legs and really pump this up, the Raiders are plus 154. So if you're more confident in the Raiders than we are, I think you're entering into the ga- definitely gambling territory and less of the you know making uh, mm-hmm. wise picks. And Minnesota, I talked about liking as well. If you want to run this up to a five-team parlay, 10 bucks will win you 800. Again, when you get this many legs in a parlay, you're really gambling. But mm-hmm. those are two games. If I was to extend your money lied madness it would be with those two games but i love the first three that you picked so wanted to throw that in out there for the folks who were trying to make their rent this month (laughs) no this week i I like to keep it to three teams you know keeps it a little bit more manageable i like to keep it um no worse than like minus 130 odds or so Mm -hmm. if possible minus 130 140 
And, uh, you know, this week it's the Moneyline Madness three-leg road dog parlay. So uh, <laughs> we're going to do in the shake, rattle, and roll, the pump handle slam, the, the oh-you-didn't-know road dog parlay. I'll see if I can listen to that all that back and write it down. We'll get a we'll need to get a graphic, but I well you'll need a couple monitors to see the entire graphic. Um, <laughs> but uh, love the three leg money madness, uh, road dog, road warriors, uh, Mister Ass Parlay. <laughs> let us know if you bet it, and uh, definitely let us know if you win it. We want to know if Seth is helping you make money. But I love the picks this week. I think from now on, the uh, parlays are called the Mr. Ass Parlay. <laughs> people who don't know the, what are they called? The New Age Outlaws. New Age Outlaws. Yeah, people who don't know those guys are really confused by that. But uh, yeah, do some Googling for Mr. Ass. Well, put it in incognito mode first. Uh, really exciting week four coming up. That's the, uh, that's the preview. It's coming right for us! And holy shit, we're long again. I swear, we're, ta- <laughs> we're talking about trying to get shorter. I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, but <laughs> the best we can do is get you right into one more thing. Let's do it. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Finally, the league has seen the light, and NFL.com's power rankings have the Los Angeles Rams ranked number one. The, the thing about power rankings for me is I feel like I'm not arguing that LA is not the best team. I think that's obvious, and I don't think that's like a fucking analyst. You don't need to do a lot of an analysis to like get that at this point. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's a lot of season left to play, but right now you can't show me evidence that anyone's better. But then when you get behind it, like they go Tampa, Green Bay, Buffalo, Baltimore, the Chiefs, and the Niners, and then the Browns, Raiders, and Chargers, Brands. and then the Cardinals are at 11. And then Denver and, and the Panthers yeah. are 12 and 13. I hate this. I, I feel like, yeah. I, I know Baltimore, I know Lamar Jackson's playing well. Baltimore's not a top five team. I think we're going to see that when they get beat by Denver. The Bills still don't play defense. I know they're scoring a lot, but they're not playing, a, they haven't played scary teams. And the Chiefs, I think, yeah. I don't know if the Chiefs are too high, but I don't like that they're this high. They, they're the worst defense in football by a mile. I, I just think it's a lot of, these teams were good last year, so we can't kick them out of the top 10. And I don't know what the correct answer would be, but I think some of the teams in the 10 to 15 range, especially if they do some some good playing this week, I want to see some changes in the top 10 next week, except for at number one where the Rams will remain. I think the Bills, I think they're at a perfect spot or should be higher, honestly. I I think that team, it's a combination of they're smoking teams right now that they should smoke, but also... I think they're only better talent-wise from last year. I think Emmanuel Sanders makes a huge difference on that team. Like we talked about, I think he's a huge upgrade from John Brown last year. I mean, we've seen it already. Like I said, I think they're an underrated team, and they're a top four according to the NFL. So if it was the Bills and Rams in the Super Bowl, all day, every day, give me the fucking popcorn. I would love that game so much. That would be so fun to watch. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I, that would be so – oh, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think I could handle it. That would be so fun. Give me a, a Packers-Rams-NFC Championship game and then a, a Rams-Bills-Super Bowl. I'd be happy. That might be – I might change that to that. If, if, if things keep going, that might be my potential change. Ooh, so, there um, you go. I like the Bills a lot. I think they're a really good team. My one more thing is by far my favorite thing that's happened during the Manning cast. <laughs> saw this live, and I was dying laughing. So they had Chris Long on, former – Ram. He was a St. Louis Ram. That's right. Um, but I think most notably, he had his most success and probably most attention being a, a, a defensive lineman for the Eagles. I think he won a Super Bowl there. Talking about Eli and, and Chris Long playing against each other when Eli was a quarterback for the Giants, obviously they played twice a year. Eli played a lot in 
Philadelphia. Eli was talking about how the fans treated him. And he was talking about different things that fans would say to him and would gesture at him. And one of them was uh, a couple middle fingers. And Eli was talking about these things and then said, uh, you know, they're doing middle fingers at me, kind of like this. And he was thrown up right on national TV. This is on ESPN2. Two middle fingers right in the corner of the screen and goes, you know, he threw him up and he's like, I don't know if I should be doing this. It's, it's fine, though. I bet they'll blur him out. He's holding him for a while, like longer than 30 seconds, like longer than what Stone Cold would do back in the day <laughs> on WWE Raw and just like holding him up there. So they go to commercial. People were tweeting, uh, Eli, they did, in fact, not bleep blur these out. Your middle fingers are right on national TV. And then as soon as they come back from commercial, Eli says, I apologize to anyone I offended. Apparently, they were not able to blur those out. That's awesome. <laughs> and, you could, and you could see the disappointment on Peyton's face. And honestly, to me, I like Peyton Manning a lot. Eli is my favorite part of these things. Oh, yeah. Eli is hilarious. Will constantly put down Peyton when he can. Um, and he's always trying to make the shit go towards the nonsense part of stuff and when you're watching a 21 to fucking 7 game i want more nonsense than i want eli talking about or peyton talking about uh, x's and o's and you know different routes and throws i want to hear fucking eli talk about how he used to fucking you know rub dirt in peyton's face when peyton was being mean to him and stuff like i don't know like just random bullshit of their them talking when they were kids or different moments that happened uh like when eli was facing ray lewis and you know ray lewis helped him point out the mic backer like shit like that funny stories that's what eli brings and i love that so much so congrats to eli i'm gonna miss no manning cast for a few weeks honestly outside of vikings games my favorite part of the week is monday night manning cast i agree it's super super fun i didn't catch as much of it last night as i wanted to but that's gonna be gift a million times and <laughs> replayed so and eli those two are fucking funny I'm amazed it's not on a tape delay. Like, they, they, they let them say whatever the fuck they want. I don't know why it's not on a tape delay. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just didn't expect to have to blur anything, but I don't know. Now that they got the blur machine ready, maybe maybe Eli's not going to wear <laughs> pants next time. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> he held it up for so long and was, like, waving them around. It was goofy. Like, yeah, he's obviously not thinking, but it's like, he just looks, uh, it's pretty. If you haven't, we'll, we'll link to the clip in the description box. Uh, go watch this. It's totally worth your time. I love that guy. Man. So we got Eli flipping the birds, and I'm flipping the birds at these NFL power rankings. Get it right next week, NFL.com. But I'm down to one more more thing. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging in for a long gridiron grunts. Honestly, I don't think they're getting any shorter, so let's just reset the expectation that uh, that these will be long shows. Lots to talk about around the league. We will get into some bye weeks, which which will cut down. Uh, We won't have as many games to talk about, but... We like talking football, so as long as you like listening to football, you are in the right place. The other right place to go to, and you can link to this place in the description box, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Social media profiles, episode links, episode descriptions, uh, mailing list, anchor wanker button, all out there on the site, so go check that out. Also, you can link to our Pigskin Pick'em. Not too late to join if you think you can outpick us. And of course, uh, hit us in the comments if you're betting on the underdog Moneyline Madness, Midnight Mass, yes. Mr. Ass Parlay. It's just, it's just the Mr. Ass Parlay for now. Yeah, there you go. Mr. Ass Parlay. <laughs> I think it's a winner this week. Um, so let us know if you're playing that one. We'll look forward to a big win tomorrow for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So keep an eye out for that game. Enjoy week four. We'll be back in a week to recap it. Get you ready for week five. Have a fun weekend. Enjoy that football. And for Seth Ott, I've been Cody Michael. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye.